Hey, this is Vivian Campbell, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Jason Bonham, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Glenn Hughes, and this is Iron City Rocks. episode 386 of the iron city rocks podcast i'm your host john coming to you from the iron city of pittsburgh pennsylvania bringing the best rock hard rock heavy metal and blues talk on the net episode 386 we are joined uh, for the second time in about a year uh, by bassist extraordinaire and vocalist extraordinaire glenn hughes uh, glenn will be coming into the pittsburgh region to do a show in warrendale at jurgles on the 5th of september going to be doing a set of the Mach 3 and Mach 4 era Deep Purple, with just a little bit of Mach 2 sprinkled in, as well as he talks about in the interview. So if you're a fan of Stormbringer, Burn, Come Taste the Band, uh, some of those classic Deep Purple albums that have unfortunately gotten, maybe not gotten the airplay uh, that they deserve, uh, dust those off, uh, put them on the turntable, get into the mood, and get out to see Glenn, a uh, fantastic performer and I think a guy whose voice almost seemed timeless and to get better with age. So we're going to talk to Glenn in just a moment. Also joining us on the show, Danny Rechtenwald of the band Bastard Bearded Irishman, a fantastic kind of Celtic punk band from the western Pennsylvania region. So we'll get to those guys in just a little bit. But we're going to start you out with a little bit of classic burn from Deep Purple. This features both David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes on vocals. A really fantastic track. I think it's a probably in the top 10, uh, probably maybe in the top five on a lot of people's list for Deep Purple songs. So let's give a listen to that. We'll get into that interview with Glenn Hughes.
coming into to, uh, Pittsburgh, which we are out of, uh, doing a show on the 5th of uh, September at Jurgles. And the Night of and Deep Purple. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Um, I guess for first question is, uh, you know, I know David had done, you know, kind of the Purple album. Is Did that inspire you to, to maybe go back and look at these, you know, three albums with um, a little more fondness? <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't say that it was David that did it. I just think, I I think what happened, to be honest with you, John, about 18 months ago, I started, my office started to be inundated with promoters across the world uh, for me to see if I would like to do something of the legacy of, of the time I was in Deep Purple. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I thought about it and I said, Let's give it a whirl. So what happened last September of 2017, we went on tour, me and my band, to Australia and New Zealand and sold out those shows in theaters. And it was a very, very successful operation playing these songs in, I want to state, John, what I do here. I'm not going back to take the arrangements from these studio albums. Okay. What I've done is enhance them by, let's just say, doing a version from, hey, maybe a Cal Jam version or live in London, you know, or live in Paris or live right. in Germany. It's something I wanted to emulate from the band when I was in it, when we were firing on all cylinders with the virtuosity of these guys I was working with. So it's a bit of a fly by the seat of your pants show, a little aggression and a little bit uh, wild and wonderful. Now, do you in the, in these mixes and for the, those familiar with those with those great albums, you guys had really interwoven your vocals, um, you know, and it was kind of neat because you you have very different voices and it really made for a neat experience. On these shows, are you doing all the lead vocals? I mean, you're sure certainly more than capable. You heck of a singer. It's all it's, you know, not many not many people ask that question, and I say this with love. Yeah, I do sing it all. Um, it's not like I want somebody in the back to sound like David. Right. Um, it's just that I can, if I can honestly say to you, I enjoy singing his parts as well mm-hmm. as my own parts. I have a very, as you know, bluesy soulful voice. Sure. And I can, I feel kind of comfortable singing some of David's stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been singing Burn now as a lead vocalist for 45 years, pretty yeah. much. You know, and, you know, I don't think anybody really has ever <laughs> gone home going, well, that wasn't covered out. I just think I'm doing it because it's it feels like I can do it. it let's just say I feel free doing it. Yeah. It's not a chore for me to do, John. It's something I actually enjoy. I wouldn't sing something I didn't want to sing. Certainly. Yeah, it's funny so you mentioned that about. I've got a, I've got a, you mentioned people yeah, um, it, walking it, away you know, that it, that it's not David. I think a lot of people will listen to yeah. David's version and walk away saying that's not Glenn, you know. And that's you know, you're the part of the yeah, song look, that I think people look, remember. I have, <laughs> I have. How do I say this to you without with with respect? I have taken care of my voice and I have I know how to take care of my instrument and 
I'm very much an athlete when it comes to taking care of the way I live and the mm. way I conduct my life. And I have chosen to stay on a strict... I'm a student, John. I will be a student of music and a student of singing until they throw the dirt over me. I'll never be the finished article because I'm always learning. I will always be studying the art form of music and the art form of singing. And I've learned from the greatest singers in the world and the greatest entertainers in the world. And I've been very grateful and gratitude for them sharing that with me. Yeah, and it certainly comes across. I mean, it. You know, you mentioned that song forty-five years. Uh, you know, and to still hear. You know, you listen to. You know, even your newest recordings with. You know, Black Country Communion, etc. Your voice doesn't miss a beat, and that's not something you can say of many singers who did this. You know, in the very early seventies, that you can look at. You know, as we approach almost twenty twenty, to be singing with such power. No, uh, uh, you know, I get. You know, I get a lot. You know, I really do get. And I say this with love and respect, because I have a lot of really close friends of mine who you know, they are great singers, and they were, they were great singers, and they're still singing, and maybe some of them are not so into it like they used to be, maybe mm. maybe they lost the love of it, you know, but I have, um, I've fallen in love with it all again, you know, when I got sober all those years ago, and I had the heart surgery five years ago, and I look around, I'm going, some of my friends aren't here any longer. Some have disappeared. Some have died. And I feel that a lot of people want me to sing these songs. Right. Therefore, promoters around the world are booking this thing out and tickets are going great. And, and you know, we're a third of the way through a two-year tour. And I have never, this is crazy, but I have never worked this hard in four decades and here I am talking to you in Bulgaria this evening and um, I'll be soon approaching the east coast and coming to see you all out there yeah and and that's I think you know that's a wonderful thing to you know at the stage of your career you know there are a lot of musicians at at your age who wish they had work you know so to be working hard is is a wonderful thing Um, are you sticking is the set going to be exclusively from the Mach 3 and Mach 4 Deep Purple or are you mixing in some Um, other of your own material? When I started putting a set list together I put a set list together that was close to 1 hour 40 minutes and as you know John most artists do normally 90 minutes as you know and as I looked at the set list there were two songs that I had not included, which were marked two songs. The only reason I'm doing them is because if you look at your history or go back and, and, and Google this, David and I did sing Smoke on the Water. Sure. In fact, this is a piece of history for you. We've, <laughs> I'm laughing. I think we sang it more than Gillen did. Um, because it only came out in 73 and he left the band in 73. Yeah. So David and I sang that song for three years and, you know, I get to sing Georgia on my mind at the end of it like I did in the 70s and I think it's a bit something that a lot of people want to hear. Yeah. So 
I wouldn't be singing that song if I couldn't deliver it and people could believe it. And right. with Highway Star, it's the same thing. David and I sang Highway Star. As you know, you may know I've recorded that song with Chad Smith and Steve Vai, and it's got a lot of people's attention. Again, I would not be singing anything that I felt I couldn't deliver and that wasn't worthy to give back to my fans. Yeah, I think yeah. it's important for them to know that I'm giving them every single bit of energy and love and and gratitude I can give them as they have been freely giving that to me for four decades. Uh, Glenn, when you, I think when everyone thinks of you, um, and, and I think it is certainly a, a flattering thing, you know, we think of the voice. Um, but as a bass player, I mean, there's some really, you know, great stuff on these records. You know, you listen to Come Taste the Band, and, and there's such a funk to it. Um, do you think that gets overshadowed some? Yes. My manager says to me, not every day, but he says to me, I don't know, once every three or four months, he said, Glenn, <laughs> he said, because your singing is so insane, a lot of people don't realize that how great a bass player you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like I got a lot of like people that you know, like Kenny Lee, and people talk about my bass playing and stuff. It's like I love, and by the way, I love playing bass, and I love. I other I also like other bass players that sing like Sting and Geddy Lee and Jack Bruce, sure. my friends. So for me to play bass and sing, and by the way, I think I'm getting even better on the bass. I think you got Satriani, he might even say that might be true as well. So I love playing the bass, brother. Yeah, yeah, I know. In speaking with Joe uh, specifically about your playing, you know, is, is he had said, you know, he had to go back and rethink some of the arrangements on his latest album because of your playing. You know, it would be a shame. To you know, yeah. to do it Joe's way when he's got you there, uh, you know. And there's, yeah, you know, and yeah. That's, that's certainly a compliment to to change Joe's mind on how something's going to mm-hmm. be done. You know, he's uh, a brilliant musician, obviously. Oh, um, um, great question, by the way. Thank you. Um, can you take us back? And this is something that's always been curious to me. Um, that. Roger was kind of involved in you becoming part of Deep Purple. How did that happen? You know, was he looking to just get out of the band and wanted to make sure that someone did it justice, or were they courting you primarily as a singer at the time? This is a dodgy question, John. <laughs> um, I think if you read into this, if you really go deep into this, it's difficult for me to answer that. I, w- I really wish you'd go into that because it's difficult for me to tell you what I know sure Uh, but I think Roger I think maybe you Ian left and maybe maybe someone felt it was important for me to come in and play bass you know I didn't understand the dynamic of the band at that time to be honest with you John I thought they were going to have me sing right and and that's I, as I stood in the boardroom, as I stood, as I sat in the boardroom of the Essex House Hotel on Central Park in July of 1973, I thought they were going to ask me to sing. And they said, oh, no, no, we want you to sing, but we want you to play bass. We want Paul Rogers to sing. And one side of my brain went, fuck that. 
And the other side went, oh, Rogers and Glenn Hughes, I'll have some of that. Yeah, I, I, that, I could see how you would feel that way. I mean, it's it's a flattering, you know, I can't imagine what the combination would have produced, but it's like, well, you Sorry, don't... I swore, by the way. I've, oh, no, that's quite I've all right. Um, you know, that that but, has to yeah, be... The idea of, you know, the Sorry? idea of Paul is a great friend of mine, and the idea of me singing kind of with Paul was fantastic, you know. And, um, of course, that wasn't to be, because two weeks after I joined... It's in the papers everywhere. Of course, Paul's stormed bad company. So we had to go about finding a replacement. Mm-hmm. Maybe we found a replacement to sound somewhat like Paul in David, in that deeper, darker tone that David has. So we didn't go too far wrong. No, I mean, obviously it turned out great. I mean, you guys made three fantastic albums, yeah. you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, that didn't continue. Um, you know, it would have been interesting to hear as the years went on the music you guys could have made. Um, you know, and unfortunately, we've lost John. Um, you know, a, well, a fantastic part of that record. You know, you don't want to. Over- you know, the thing with with Richie, and I, I love him, and, and I don't see enough of him. Richie, as you know now, was good for a couple of albums with with, a, with singers, and he wanted to change it all. Yeah. You know, and after, you know, halfway through Stormbringer, he, you know, he felt he wanted to go somewhere else, and we just continued, and he went on his way, and uh, he was a major, major player in Deep Purple. Right. But we weren't, al- we weren't going to let the ship sink. We needed to continue. Sure. So we continued, and we carried on. Yeah, and I think, as we've all seen through time when Richie's happy in what he's doing and, and inspired he's a brilliant player but when he loses the interest you know it's probably best to part and, and it turned out well you guys made a great record with Bolin um, unfortunately that uh, oh god you know, you know I think Stormringer as you know uh, was a great record I think Richie as you know had Stormringer that song uh, he, he came in with and he had Soldier of Fortune and the rest of it if I may say to you, the rest of it was written with David, myself, and John. Right. Um, as let's just say Richie, let's just say Richie probably had his eyes on something else. Yeah. And and that that those eyes were on my dear friend Ronnie, and 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 I was so happy that Richie at least chose somebody that could sing well and was a beautiful person. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that that certainly you know that worked out well for them. Um, but you know, it, w- it still would have been neat yeah. if you, you know, if if the everything had lined up and you guys have been able to stay, you know, because it was such a triumphant lineup. I mean, one of the greatest guitarists and two of the greatest vocalists of all time. Uh, I would argue one of the greatest <laughs> person to ever play right. the keyboards. It was right. You know, so it was a fantastic lineup. Oh, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long, Glenn. Um, I know you've got a, a million other folks to talk to, but I want to thank you. And again, you're going to be I, on. I love, I love, I love your station. I, I always love talking to you guys. You've been so kind to me, and uh, I love Pittsburgh. And I, it's a, a place I, it, I can't wait to come back to. Got great fans there. I'm keeping rock alive. I, I, I look, you're talking to the most grateful man you'll speak to this year. Well, that's fantastic. Well, I think we're all going to be grateful to see you come in and do some of these great songs. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I think you know, especially for a younger generation, may not even be familiar with some of these things. They know, you know, some yeah. of the, the you know 
beat to death Deep Purple songs. No offense to the, some of those great Mach Two classics, but well, I think God, you know this, this isn't a, this isn't a choreographed show. It's a little bit fly by the seat of your pants. It's a little bit aggressive. It's it's not something that is like Hello Cleveland type of thing. Right. It's not that at all. It's a bit it's a bit rough and ready, and it's a it ain't something that's pretty of it it's going to be a little bit blustery and that's yeah. the way rock and roll should be it should never be tied up in a pink bow you know that, that's very well said you know you, you don't want something scripted um, you know choreographed and etc you know I think that's what makes you know the generation of music you guys make so fantastic is that there's spontaneity and mm-hmm. you can go in different directions that's, yeah. that's a brilliant thing I, I, and by the way John I'm, I'm bringing bringing this to you with a group of guys that play these songs so damn well that I want audience, I want the audience maybe to close their eyes for a second and go, hey, what decade are we in right now? You know, I am bringing the 70s back a little bit here. I am going focusing on that, you know. I don't want to make this a modern digital thing. I want this to be as analog as you can get it. And I want it to be as nasty and dirty and grungy and sexy as fuck, and I, that's the way I want to bring it. Well, that that should be a fantastic name, Glenn. Thank you so much. Uh, we wish you all the best getting in, and we will see you in uh, just a couple of weeks now. All right. Look forward to seeing you, John. Thanks so much. All right, a big thank you to Glenn Hughes. Uh, going to be coming in on September fifth to do a show at Jurgles in Warndale, as I mentioned earlier. That show, the tickets are available at druskyentertainment.com. or you can go to Jurgles website as well to get those. Uh, should be a really, really cool night. And as uh, Glenn said, he's kind of the real deal. Is 100% rock and roll, no backing tracks. Um, and he's going to keep it uh, fresh and, and, and nasty for you guys. So I would encourage you to get out for that show. We're going to turn our attention now to a band who have been on the show, but uh, it's been a number of years since we've talked to them, the Bastard Bearded Irishmen, who are a uh, really cool uh, Celtic punk out, uh, band out of the uh, western Pennsylvania area. And they've got uh, a new CD that's been out for for a little while now, Drinking to the Dead. So we're going to play you a track off of that. We're going to get an interview with Danny Rechtenwald. Uh, We talk a little bit about what what musically makes Celtic punk, where does the inspiration for this kind of music come from, how did the band get started, uh, and what some of their plans are, because they've got some fantastic shows coming up. So let's play a little bit of Bastard Bearded Irishman from Drinking to the Dead. We'll get into that interview with Danny. Now that it's come about, we'll be the ones that shout steady on the way. We did it for a friend, now we're back at it again for the ones lost to yesterday. It's in our makeup, but of humanity, we all wonder why. A badger price, set aside, as we honor the lives of the ones who said goodbye. Instead of fighting, no way. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome the Iron City Rocks we have from the bastard bearded Irishman. We have Danny Rectowall on the line. How you doing, Danny? Good, good. How are you, John? I'm doing fantastic. I want to congratulate you guys. Uh, Drinking to the Dead, a fantastic album. It's been out for a few months. We're a little bit uh, late getting to you right. guys. Uh, can we talk a little bit? That was your, am I right, your third full-length album? Yeah, this is the third full-length album, correct. Can we talk a little bit about this batch of songs and where they came from and... Sure. Yeah, I would love to. The um, now, you guys, I know some Irish bands, you know, kind of rehash standards. I guess is for lack of a better term, you know, the kind of old country songs and kind of make them new. Do you guys uh, pull some old stuff out, uh, or do you tend to, you know, write songs in the vein of what might, you know, have come from the old world, or how, how do you approach material? Right. Uh, good question. So we tend to do whatever we want, basically, with yeah, anything. So um, at the beginning, I think one of the, uh, in our first album, Jim was the primary songwriter, and uh, the rest of us, we kind of just helped him, mm-hmm. you know, give our input and what we think works better and things like that. And that was actually for the first two albums. Right. He's been the primary songwriter, um, and our former guitar player also wrote a song on that on the second album and in this album it has uh, songs from Jim and myself I think I have four songs in the album and then our fiddle player Paul also has a the instrumental song called Harvest okay so we tend to write we try to write in the obviously the the Irish style Mm-hmm. Um, even some songs that sound like they could be traditional, you know, because right. they're original. And then we also do our own form of the Celtic punk songs. Okay. Um, and then we, and then Jim also, or you can, you probably hear even my one song called What a Life That Would Be, but there's a little bit of a gypsy sort of flavor to it too. So we kind of do whatever we want, uh, whatever we feel, what we, kind of have to stay within the Irish punk sort of, sure. or it just folk punk even genre just so we don't lose some people. Right. Um, and so we cross over here and there, but then yeah, we're always trying to stay true because we, you know, we have the word Irishman in our name, even yeah, though that's not that is, the only thing that we play, you know? You can't do an acid rock kind of 60s sounding hippie song. Yeah. Um, are there no, particular keys or, or, or modes or, you know, for, for maybe the musician right. out there listening, is there something that um, gives it that Irish kind of flavor? I think we can hear it, but is there something yeah, tangible sure. that you say, you know, when you pick up the instrument, here's how we make it sound like that? Right, absolutely. So the so the Irish sort of, at least for the very happy sort of song, they are just major, regular old major uh, modes. Like, okay. I think most of our songs are in like E, A, G, or D, you know, okay. like around there, or C, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like the your old standards cowboy guitar chords, right. guitar keys, you know. So they kind of so those are usually just major, um, and there's also this cool sort of some some Irish tunes are in the uh, like the Mixolydian mode, right. which has like a flat seven. I don't know if that's going to make sense to a lot of people, but. Yeah, it probably really will. Yeah. 
Right. Okay. So it's it's cool. So there's like this major feel, but then it's like has this kind of a little bit darker, cloudier sort of feel, mm-hmm. even within the the major sort of tonality. Okay. Um. But the coolest, like some of the you know the very the sort of dark sounding keys are either minor or the Dorian mode, uh, which is the minor, but it has a sharp six. So it's like it's like a like the Mixolydian mode would be major, but a little bit minor. Right. You know, with that with that minor seven, but the Dorian mode is minor, but a little bit major with the with the major six. Okay. On it, so it, it adds that sort of, and it definitely it comes from the you know the British Isles, obviously. Right. Um. So it's really it's a really cool sort of folk, folksy tonality to it, and you can you can hear that in. Uh, the 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 final song, the drinking to the dead. We wrote this jig for it at the end, which actually goes to a couple different places. So it starts off in like the the B minor Dorian mode, um, and then it go we go to the A Mixolydian. Okay. So we're kind of switching between two places. And do you guys kind of and I think it works. Yeah. Do you constantly? Con- I'm sorry. Consciously chart that out. You know, when you're approaching a solo or you know a fill or something like that for one of these songs, or do you kind of sit and break this down analytically and say, okay, no, this is you know the songs in this key, and and I want to get this feel, so I'm going to go with this mode. Right. Uh, do you, do you put that much thought into it, or you know a lot of guitarists, you know, there's I don't know, I just play, you know, I, I, I shred off what I've been playing for 15 years. I mean, yeah. Some, are you a thinker or a player? Right. So um, we kind of do both. So since I I went to music conservatory and I teach music at the community college here too. Okay. So I try to I tend to overthink yeah. things and that gets in the way in the way of creative sort of energy sometimes. Right. And I just, the older I get, the better I am at turning off the thinking brain while I'm writing. Right. Um, and Jim is like, he's, he's very, he's just whatever. He, he has something in his head, he hears it, he wants to get it out. It doesn't matter if he knows necessarily what mm-hmm. he is doing. Okay. So, and then I'm, I'll sometimes realize, like, okay, well, you're in like a Mixolydian mode here. Um, mm-hmm. And let's maybe, so these are the chords that work for it. Right. Or these, you know, these chords don't really work, you know, so we sure. kind of, we kind of just work it out by being true, like knowing, following music theory sort of rules, but also breaking them whenever the music calls for it. Right. Yeah. And, that's, or, yeah. Know, I think kind of the awesome thing about music is it gives you that freedom to break things sometimes, and that right. can make things wonderful. You know, sometimes it's a train wreck when you break things, but sometimes it's, it's magic. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, now, is, right. is, yeah. is a band, do you, are you a, vocals, lyrics first kind of band or you do tend to, to do those last? Yeah, I think so. They I think they tend to come last. Okay. Um although I think that's the way Jim does it. But I think that it's really I can't speak for him for every song, but I can speak for I know that sometimes he's come to us with he's like, guys, I got this idea for the song, I got like the lyrics first. We just have to figure out Right the melody or like some kind of you know bridge or something like that or mm-hmm. or um or really it's just the music 
comes first, then the lyrics come later, and you have like an idea, like you have a story that you want to say, right? But then as you actually write out the lyrics, um, maybe things will change. You know, the story changes. There's different characters than you thought because somebody, you know, something doesn't rhyme, so you have to change sort of the whole entire story. Yeah. At times, that's kind of how I work personally. I lyrics are always the hardest thing to write. Yeah, I, I, you know, from my my limited experience, I know exactly what you're talking about. Though, I mean, they can be either the first thing you right. come to, and then it's impossible to get music yeah. to fit it, or you end up writing. Right. You know, it's it's you know, you listen to bands like some early Sabbath, where he basically just sang what the guitar did. You know, and sometimes that's yeah, not a good thing either. Um, right. Right. Now, obviously, you know, you're in a genre of music that includes you know the Dropkick Murphys, Flogging Molly, who are, are two. Very very successful okay. bands. Um, do you? I think I lost you for a second. Are I'm sorry. There? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you you're in a genre. Yeah, you guys. I lost you after that. Sure, you guys. Um, you know, would be in a genre that I would consider. You know, along with Flogging Molly and and the mm-hmm. Dropkick Murphys and things like that. Have, if they're, mm-hmm. you know, kind of year after year, kind of increasing in success, is that kind of pay you guys dividends? Have you seen in your crowds? That's I think that's interesting. I've never really thought about it. I I do think that it definitely helps that we're one of the few bands in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh like us, right? Sure. So it helps here, especially for St. Patrick's Day like that's yeah. you know one of our biggest shows in Pittsburgh of the year. We, you know, almost sell it out. I sell out the Rex Theater or we or we we did this past year like so it's always a huge show. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, and and I think too we've done, I think because of the the success of these other bands, we've been able to not just be a St. Patrick's Day right. band. You know, I don't want to give too much credit, or like not give us enough credit sure. for you know no, music is good enough to listen to it all year. Um, that it doesn't just doesn't just have to be St. Patrick's Day. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, but I do think that. That's, that's interesting. I, I I bet it does. You know. Yeah. I, I often, you know, there's people that come in and they're like, "Play Sugar Up to Boston," <laughs> yeah. or like play Galway Girl, which is a Steve Earle song. You know what I yeah. mean? So it's like, I think it definitely, I think it definitely does help because people are like, "Oh, I love Flogging Molly. I heard these guys are great." Yeah. And they're a lot like them. You know. So. Yeah, and that that's kind of yeah. what I was getting at. Now, um, being a band out of Pittsburgh, I can't help but ask. I mean, there's been a lot of you know, a, a lot of discussion in the last few years about bands succeeding in Pittsburgh in this economic climate, or climate in this, right. this region. Have the band, I, I know you guys do quite a bit of shows in the Pittsburgh area, do you do much mm-hmm. playing outside of the city of Pittsburgh? I know you're doing a show in Ohio uh, coming up pretty right. soon, but I mean, do you guys tour regionally? And, and how are you yeah. received elsewhere versus in Pittsburgh? I'm just, you know, to contrast the two. Sure. So we actually play mainly outside of Pittsburgh. We only okay. play Pittsburgh just a few times a year, maybe okay. four or five times a year. So or we, we try not to saturate ourselves here because your fans just kind of get used to it. And then right. if you play too much, there's no reason for people to come out. Or if you have no reason for people to come out, uh, then they kind of don't really support you right. that way. But um, 
so yeah, we mainly play. So we just played at Music Fest in Bethlehem, PA, okay. last week, which is probably the biggest, the biggest crowd that we've played for. <laughs> it was, it's a huge music festival. So this festival, like, I forget who the headliner was this year, but one year they had Snoop Dogg. They get, okay. they get the biggest names um, in their in their main stage, but they're a very big. Um, even geographically big like music festival they get right. over a million people within like a week nice. going in and out of this this festival so we do we do really well um, over in that part of the state too like around the Bethlehem State College area because mm-hmm. um, we were we were hitting it for a while there was a there was a Celtic festival there that we played so we have a, a pretty good following there, especially in terms of, you know, Pittsburgh bands just getting out there and doing it, you know, so it's, and then we also, uh, yeah, we play in Erie, Cleveland, we haven't been to Cleveland in a while, Okay. Um, we play West Virginia a whole lot, and yeah, we just played the the Dublin Irish Festival in Columbus, Ohio, I think it's, I think it's the, like, America's largest the, yeah, the name would I certainly think. indicate that it should have some pull right. in that yeah. arena. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that had anything to do with <laughs> them putting on a, a music festival. It certainly <laughs> helps in marketing. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we we do um, get out and play. We're we're actually actually almost on the road every weekend. Yeah, I'm just looking at, at um, your 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 summer, and and you know I think you see a lot of bands, you know, and you see. You know, there was a, a kind of a, a survey done in the Pittsburgh area uh, by an outside right. research group about. I'm sure you're familiar with it about the music scene in Pittsburgh. And you read the comments, and, and you know, a lot of bands seem to feel they're handcuffed by, you know, the 412. Right. And that's always been a concern of mine: is that if you don't take the initiative to do shows in 814 and 330, and you know, you know area yeah. codes, et cetera, that you're never going to grow. And it's it's right. fantastic to see. You know, you guys are. You know, hit Morgantown and Seven Springs and all kinds of other places, right. um, because yeah. you know you've got to take the music to where people live, and not everyone on Earth lives right. in you know Bloomfield. Um, right, that's exactly right. Which is great to see. Um, you guys, you know, I I know you this album is still very new. The paints, you know, still sort of drying on the on the ink and stuff. Um, do you guys continue to write, or or did you have a lot of extra songs in the bag? I know you, it looks like you re-released. Your first album, am I correct? Uh-huh. With some new stuff. Right, Can you right. talk about that or any future albums you might have going? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, for this album, so we do continue to write, so we're still writing songs. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have another album of songs. I think we already have enough songs for like a full length album already of nice. new, of new material. We're still in the, in the, you know, in the practice room working it out. Though. Sure. Um, but yeah, so we, so the first album, like the reason we were banned basically is because, um, a friend of ours that we went to high school with died in a car accident. Okay. So we, the Jim and Ben, uh, the, uh, former bass player, they're in this band called Ragweed and they, who our friend George, who, who passed away, he was in also in this band Ragweed and like we were, you know, we were all good friends of the guy so his one of his favorite styles of music was this irish punk so we just Mm. put the band together as a joke for one show 
because uh, every year they put on like a memorial show for a scholarship fund that to the school that George was going to. Okay. Um, and I don't know if my story is making sense. I'm no, no, I got you. Talking backwards, yeah. So, so just for one of these memorial shows, uh, Jim was like, "Hey, why don't we?" put together an Irish band and learn a whole bunch of Irish traditionals and like maybe an Irish punk tune and what's a stupid name let's come up with a dumb name for this show uh, alright Bastard Bearded Irish so it was like supposedly a one and done sort of thing um, so we kind of enjoyed it and we were like hey let's just kind of keep doing this and then it was like why don't we why don't we record an album you know and all of our friends were supportive and came to all our shows and things like that so we recorded an album and it was it was kind of hasty we were I mean we were just like brand new at at doing it you know so right. we kind of worked uh, had a friend of ours just record it we put it out I don't think we even mastered it you know or anything like that and we were selling a whole lot of copies and getting bigger and bigger and traveling a lot um and selling these copies, they were like, you know, we should probably do another album. So we did another album, and then we were like, you know what, this first album is sounds a little bit rough. So why don't we remaster it? So we remixed and remastered it, and added another song to it as well, which um, is Whiskey Ginger. I think that's the only place it's recorded. It was on the remastered version of it. So. We uh, yeah, we just wanted you know to 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 give our fans a better version of the original album, you know. Right. So and then and then this album we recorded those both with uh, our good friend Alex Hurd at the Thunderbird House. Okay. Or it was the Thunderbird House. It doesn't exist anymore in in Lawrenceville. They okay. tore it down to expand the Thunderbird. But we recorded it with him those first two and then we recorded this past one at uh, Mr. Small's studio right in the north side and and we put we put more time more effort and more money into it than the previous albums just because we're just kind of evolving as a band and we have more more time I'm sitting in the railway station got a ticket for my destination Paul Simon homeward bound homeward bound the Farewell Tour September 17th PPG Paints Arena Don't miss this historic evening of career spanning hits with one of the most beloved artists of all time Paul Simon in concert The legendary songwriter and performer September 17th PPG Paints Arena Tickets are on sale now at LiveNation.com, Ticketmaster.com, or the PPG Paints Arena box office. Paul Simon, Homeward Bound, The Farewell Tour. All right, a big thank you to Danny Reckwald of the Bastard Bearded Irishman. Uh, If you're in the Columbus area, they're doing a show on the 25th of August at the Ace of Cups. They're going to be doing a show on um, September 1st at the Meadows in Washington, PA, uh, and a real big show for them. They're doing the Thrival Festival at Highmark Stadium down at Station Square in Pittsburgh on the 21st of September. So check that out. Also, they're doing a show in New Jersey in September, uh, early uh, October. I'm sorry, mid-October. They're doing a show in Morgantown. So head over to the Bastard. 
thebeardedirishman.com. Click on the live link at the top. You can find all the tour dates. You can buy the album uh, and links to get that electronically or physical copy. So I encourage you to check those out. And also, don't forget Glenn Hughes, September 5th, doing a show uh, at Jurgles in Warrendale. Come check that out. And also visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter are all forward slash ironcityrocks. Or you can drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Let us know what you like about the show, what you hate about the show, whatever. Love to hear from you. So until next time, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. (laughs) 